Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's ham radio. Hey, good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 154, Working Portable Events, recorded live on Thursday, February 28th, 2019. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ham Talk Live. We're back. If you missed us last week, we'll, we'll tell you what was going on there, but uh, that was scheduled and uh, we're back tonight, and we've got Sean Kutzko, KX9X, with us tonight to talk all about working portable and some ways to make that fun and interesting and, and some ways to make that easier, so we'll talk about that. Uh, last week, I wasn't here, and I kind of announced that ahead of time because I was... Uh, I, I'm also the PA announcer at, at the school where I teach, and... Um, the final regular season basketball game of the year is always on a Thursday night. Normally, we don't play on Thursday night, but uh, it was on Thursday night, so I had to do that. But in addition to that, uh, our coach became the winningest coach in Indiana high school basketball history. So not only did I have to do the game, which included senior night and all that stuff, but then we had a big post game celebration for him afterwards and had to take care of some audio for that and everything. So <clears throat> that's where I was last week. And, um, two weeks ago we had open lines for dating stories. And I have to say, uh, we ran out of time. There were so many people calling in, uh, and sharing their stories. So thanks again to, uh, Val in V9L for suggesting the topic and, uh, Everybody who called in, and I forgot to mention at the end uh, that the kids in my school club said that they want to have a special event station at, at the wedding with Julie and I. So um, Julie said it, was, it would be okay, but I don't know. We'll see, we'll see if that happens, but uh, you just never know. But if you missed that show, listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube or don't forget uh, we're on WTWW now 50:85 a.m. Saturday evenings at about 6:30 p.m. Eastern 
So get your portable questions ready to go. And if you're listening to us on Thursday night, you can give us a call after I talk to Sean a little for a little bit by calling the phone number. And yeah, we're still on our temporary number. So let me give you the temporary number again. It's 812-650-9556. Again, 812-650-9556 is the number to call tonight. And hopefully we're going to get that switched over soon. Uh, you can also tweet us. We're still at Ham Talk Live on Twitter. So we'll check the tweets out uh, in a little while as well. And I'll be back with Sean right after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. Create your own band opening. ICOM's newest SDR transceiver, the IC9700, is coming soon. This new radio is bringing direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features such as dedicated amateur satellite operation, color touchscreen, D-Star capability built in, RF direct sampling on the 2-meter and 70-centimeter bands, dual independent receivers capable of full duplex operation, as well as dual watch, and maximum output power of 100 watts on 2 meters, 75 watts on 70 centimeters, and 10 watts on 1.2 gigahertz. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rap. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring the show once again tonight. And uh, check out their deals and uh, and that IC9700 coming soon. So be sure to check them out. ICOMAmerica.com slash amateur is where you will find them on the web. And my guest tonight, once again, is Sean Kutzko, KX9X. He's the former contest manager and uh, media and public relations manager at ARL. Sean enjoys portable operations, satellites, and QRP. He's an avid DXer and has had the chance to be the DX several times. Sean's been licensed since 1982 and is originally from central Illinois and attended the nearby University of Illinois. After being on staff at ARRL for 10 years, he's now a public relations and communications consultant, and he works over at the Mark Twain House and uh, is the owner of a company called QRP Baking. So, Sean, welcome back once again. Hey, Neil. It's good to be back on the show. How you doing? I'm I'm doing doing all right. Got a little, little sinus stuff going on, so mm-hmm. if I have to... <clears throat> do that a few times you you understand why but i completely so, understand so 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 does qrp baking have like um like you know stuff available for for like portable operations well you know a lot of baked goods are very tiny and could fit into a small backpack so i think we could probably work something out um it's actually called qrp bakery and uh what's going on with that real quickly is um the connecticut uh legislature the connecticut state legislature just passed uh, a law allowing uh certain types of baked goods to be made in a home uh kitchen 
so uh, certain any any type of baked good that does not involve uh, 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 anything that can spoil or require refrigeration. Uh, you can you can sell it in uh, very limited circumstances uh, if it's made from a home kitchen. So I'm just starting to explore all of that. So stay tuned. Maybe you'll have uh, uh, some uh, some nice uh, cookies and loaves of bread that you can get from me uh, through the QRP Bakery. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that that, that might fit well with Wimploda. It could be. Although, you know, you might, you might, you might get, you know, the folks that the folks for, uh, Walmart parking lots on the air, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that there are a lot of like little Debbie snack cakes that are consumed during that. So probably, probably so. Well, well, enough of, enough of that. Let's, let's talk about some of these portable operating events. And we are actually going to talk about Wimploda, uh, here in a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about some of these and, and let's talk about some reasons why our listeners should go portable to operate and how to do that well i think you know most hams are probably familiar with field day where everybody you know goes out on the fourth full weekend in june and operates either solo or with your club and uh you know gets uh gets your get your equipment outside of uh your home qth and go set up in a park or uh you know someplace like that so i think most hams have experienced that kind of portable operating but um, there are a lot of reasons why uh, portable operating can become a major component of the way that you enjoy amateur radio. Um, there are uh, a lot of uh, external noise sources that are cropping up at various uh, uh, parts of the country. You know, if you if you live in a home that's next to uh, a factory or a store or something like that, you might have an external noise source, power line noise, things like that. So being able to take a station out to a park or someplace that's away from those noise sources, uh, if you can't eliminate the noise source yourself, you can take a smaller station and go set up uh, away from those noise sources and enjoy the hobby. Um, you can, you know, just uh, I, I personally like the idea of uh, just being able to go out and and uh, set up portable somewhere uh, for the sake of testing uh, your deployment skills. If you're interested in emergency communications and emergency preparedness, uh, making sure that uh, you have the equipment and, uh, and the skills to go set up uh, uh, portable quickly uh, will be very beneficial if you're actually ever uh, called into service to do something like that. It's a great way to get some uh, exercise. You go out and you uh, you can go hiking on a trail up uh, to a mountain summit, uh, row a kayak out to an island. Uh, so there are a lot of different uh, reasons why uh, portable operating can become a major focus of the way that you enjoy the hobby. And uh, that's what happened to me. Uh, many years ago, I you know lived in the, uh, rural Illinois and I had a 70-foot tower with a lot of stations up and you know, life changed course, and uh, I ended up uh, downsizing all of that and moved out to Connecticut and started working at the league. And uh, housing out here is a little bit more expensive than it is in rural Illinois, so I've been living in apartments for quite a while. And uh, I don't really have the ability to put an antenna up here in the apartment. So uh, my entire focus of how I enjoy amateur radio changed because the way that I live changed, and I wasn't going to simply go qrt and not get on the air anymore so i had to come up with a new strategy and what i found was being able to operate portable and have a small station that i could take anywhere um uh, really uh became a much more simplistic uh but enjoyable way 
to uh, stay on the air. And I found now that I actually prefer that style of operating to having a big tower and giant antennas. Don't get me wrong. That's always fun. It's nice to be loud, especially if you're in a contest or trying to work a rare country on, on HF or something like that. But uh, the simplicity of a small station that you can take anywhere is tremendous fun. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's a situation that a lot of people are in is if you want to get on HF, you're you may not be able to put up any antennas, or, or if you do, you're going to have to hide them really well. And mm-hmm. it's just uh, a way to, to do that. And I find that, you know, I you got me started on this whole satellite thing on this show about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what I'm finding is I, I spend more time doing that in the car because I can use that time while I'm in the car. And, you know, I, I have a limited amount of time and, and I don't always have time to just go, you know, sit on the radio for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. but by going out in the car, I can be, you know, driving somewhere and, and maybe I pull over to grid line or maybe I just keep on driving and, and get a few contacts on a satellite and it works really well. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically talking about satellites, uh, we were talking about a small, simple station, and uh, it's hard to beat uh, the simplicity of being able to get uh, on an FM satellite once you get uh, a little bit of experience uh, under your belt. You know, a, a handheld dual band Yagi in one hand and uh, a, a handy talkie that can be on, on two meters and 70 centimeters at the same time. Uh, that's a pretty small station. It fits in the backseat of your car. And for satellite work, um, you're not reliant on the band being open. You know when the satellite is going to pass overhead so you can predict uh, your activity time. And at least for now, the satellites are low enough in orbit that they only pass overhead a maximum of about 15 or 20 minutes. So you can... As you said, you know, you can be out doing other things with your day and then a satellite will pass overhead and you can enjoy uh, amateur radio for 15 or 20 minutes at a time and uh, hand out uh, the grid square that you are currently in or, or work people in other grid squares to add to your total. So it's an enjoyable way to have uh, like this, this micro experience of amateur radio uh, wherever you may be. Well, you talked a little bit about the gear for satellite, so let's talk about you know, having the right gear. That can make things a lot easier, so what do you suggest for HF? Well, for HF, um, you know, it, it really depends on how you want to approach uh, portable operating to begin with. You know, uh, I am, you know, I'm an advocate of super small station, uh, super low power, QRP power, um, but that doesn't necessarily... Uh, have to be the only way that you enjoy portable operating. I mean, uh, if if you think about it, portable operating just means you're you're using amateur radio from uh, a place that is not your home station location. So if you extrapolate that out, m- you know, a lot of the major D expeditions are portable operations. Uh, you know, they they bring several tons of equipment with them, and it costs a lot of money to do to go to some of these places. But that's still a portable operation. So if, uh, if you, if you're not, um, comfortable with the idea of, you know, consolidating your station down to a five watt radio and, you know, six or seven pounds worth of gear, 
Um, there are certainly all sorts of other alternatives that you can do. You can have a, a station in your car and uh, be able to go mobile and set up in a park somewhere that way. Um, it could be as simple as taking your HF transceiver that you have in your house and hooking up uh, a 12-volt battery and taking that to uh, to a remote location. Maybe you could rent a cabin uh, in a, a different state or uh, or a different county, and uh, and you could set up a station that way. So it really depends on what level of operating you're comfortable with. Um, you know, you probably don't want to take 50 pounds of gear up the side of a mountain if you're walking up there. Um, maybe you can if you want. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but uh, if uh, if you simply want to, uh, say, put on a rare county during your state's QSO party, uh, you know, you can you can fill your car up with as much stuff as you want and go take it to a park or a rental cabin or something like that. Uh, if you're more interested in doing the uh, the super low uh, QRP portable stuff, there's there's tons of great equipment out there for you to to consider um, wire antennas. I think the half-wave dipole kind of gets a a bad rap as an antenna. Uh, I think a a resonant half-wave dipole up a quarter wavelength will do wonders for you. I think you'd be surprised how good one of those can work under decent conditions. Um, And, you know, there there are all sorts of other things available to you, too. If you're you're interested in QRP and you're a kit builder, there are are dozens of, of... lightweight qrp kits that are available for you um there's there's still some cw radio cw only radios that are out there that are super cheap and would work very well digital modes open up a whole part a whole opportunity of of other equipment so um you have a lot of options that are available to you i can't recommend just one way of doing it because amateur radio is about experimentation and and trying new things so uh, whatever works for you now, what about power? I know the, the, the picture you sent out promoting this episode, you had one of those battery charger things. I've got one yep. of those that are cool. You use that to power your HF rig. Uh, you can. Um, the the portable car starters work uh, as a as a decent power supply in a pinch. There are uh, there are dozens of other. Um, uh, power sources that you can use you can you can go solar if you have a a solar panel and a charge controller you can use uh sealed lead acid batteries that are uh uh, pulled from uh uh, emergency power supply sources from uh maybe your your computer's it team has some of those that they uh have to rotate out of uh operation for uh for where you work uh to keep your it system up and running um, the, the lithium polymer batteries are fantastic. If you're interested in super lightweight stuff, um, you can get a deep cycle Marine battery, uh, at, at any one of your automotive or, uh, or farm supply stores. So you have a lot of options for you in terms of power. It really comes down to, again, how much equipment you want to take with you out into the field, how much weight you are willing to, uh, lug around and, uh, what your, style of operating is going to be if you're going to be in one place for a weekend the needs for power are going to be a little bit different than if you're going to uh, try to uh, operate from say uh, a mountain summit for summits on the air uh, for a few hours uh, where you're trying to keep weight down to a minimum so again it really comes down to what your style of operating is uh, how long you're going to be at a location and what your tolerance is for 
uh, weight and lugging equipment around. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> what about bands and modes? Now, we talked about HF. We talked about satellite. What are some of the bands and modes that are more portable friendly? Well, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to argue against um, uh, the, the, the benefits of being able to get on 40 meters, uh, especially if you're interested in uh, digital modes or if you're doing uh, one of the operating uh, events such as uh, Parks on the Air or uh, Summits on the Air or the U.S. Islands Award or things like that. Uh, 40 meters, even during the day, you're going to have a whole lot of fun. Um, uh, a dipole is uh, not is not uh, too far out of reach, especially if you can get a, a portable mast to elevate it in an invid- inverted V configuration or throw it over a tree. There are N-fed wire antennas that work very nicely as well. So 40 meters is, uh, is a great band for a HF portable operating. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Certainly if, uh, if the higher bands are open and you're interested in working more DX, uh, uh, 20 meters, you know, I, I, I don't think we're going to, um, see too much action out of, uh, 15 or 10 anytime soon, at least for long haul DX work. But it does the talking about those bands segues nicely into um, the VHF and UHF bands as well. Um, I'm I'm a big proponent of uh, enjoying 10 meters and six meters during the summer sporadic E season. And if you're not familiar with sporadic E, uh, uh, sporadic E propagation occurs in the summer months here in the northern uh, hemisphere between roughly May and say late August. Uh, and it uh, it is uh, a short, a relatively short range of propagation uh, mode that occurs in the E layer of the ionosphere. And uh, on 10 meters and 6 meters during the summer months, the band will open even during periods of low sunspot activity. It's not uh, uh, completely reliant on the 11-year sol- uh, sunspot cycle in order for it to work. So during the summer months on 10 meters and 6 meters, uh, sporadic E propagation will allow you to communicate Oh, say, you know, anywhere from 750 to 1500 miles out, which, uh, you know, that's that's a whole lot of fun if you're set up in a park and you've got a a simple dipole thrown into a tree. Uh, So uh, six meters, especially uh, a six meter dipole is less than 10 feet long. And uh, if the band is open. Uh, uh, six meters is a tremendous amount of fun and, uh, technician class licensees have access to six meters as well, uh, as, as they do on 10 meters, uh, sideband too. So, um, these are, these are things to, uh, keep an eye on, uh, during the summer months, 10 meters and six meters and, uh, and the VHF stuff is, is a tremendous amount of fun. And there are contests geared around the VHF bands, uh, six meters and two meters and 70 centimeters and, and all of them. So, um, you know, the ARRL has the June VHF contest, which is the second weekend in June, and that's six meters and up. Uh, CQ has uh, the VHF contest in July. So uh, there, are, uh, there are operating events that are geared towards the summer sporadic e-season. So you have to keep an eye on the ionosphere. That is true. Good play. You you can't tell I'm a chemistry teacher, can you? But I'm dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, we're, we're now that we're, we're talking about, we've talked about you know what bands and and what equipment and all that kind of thing. There's some cool events that are going on 
that are definitely geared for portable operation. You created the wildly successful National Parks on the Air program. Now Canada's picked up on it. And so let's talk about the Canada version for a little bit and then some things like uh, U.S. Islands and, and something that you also came up with. Right. So I was I was pleased uh, to hear that uh, uh, Radio Amateurs of Canada and a group of Canadian hams came up with Canadian National Parks on the Air for, for 2019. Uh, this got started uh, thanks to uh, a gentleman by the name of Doug Grace, Victor Echo One Delta Fox Golf. He's up in uh, Nova Scotia, and uh, he was having coffee with uh, some of his local hams up in uh, Nova Scotia and was commenting on how good National Parks on the Air was going back in 2016. And he, he asked the question uh, that so many projects are born out of, which was, hey, why can't we do that? And so he got together a team of volunteers who basically said we can do this and uh and they it took them a little while but they they put together canadian national parks on the air and they got it up and running for this year and there are uh 220 uh different uh national canadian national historic sites and uh and national parks that are going to be on the air all year long just like the national parks on the air event back in 2016 here in the states so um i i'm really really happy for them it's 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 been uh it's been a good event so far there's been a lot of uh, good activity and there have been u.s hams that have crossed over uh into uh, canada and activated parks as well uh, uh we all know uh one of the one of the stars of uh national parks on the air was pete kobach k0bak and uh, he took his mobile operation up uh, and activated six parks uh, on the very first day on January 1st uh, this year. So, um, And I know that there were a couple of uh, satellite operators uh, from the U.S. that went into Canada and activated a few Canadian uh, historic sites on January 1st on satellite as well. So uh, it's, if, you had, uh, if you were looking for something to do for 2019 for your, for your vacation, grab your passport and take your gear and head up north and take a look at uh, one of the 220 sites in Canada that are going to be uh, available to you for Canadian National Parks on the Air this year. You can, um, they got a website, it's cnpota.ca, and you can also follow cnpota on Facebook and Twitter as well. And just like what happened with National Parks on the Air here in the States, uh, there's a, a whole lot of operators that are congregating in the Facebook group, and they're posting uh, daily activities, who's going to be on from where, um, and there's a lot of information on their website as well. And again, that's cnpota.ca. So be sure to check that out. It's going to be one of the best events of the year. All right. And and before we take a break here, let's talk a little bit about uh, the U.S. islands as well. Well, U.S. Islands uh, uh, is all about operating um, islands that are found within the United States borders. So it doesn't have to be in salt water. They can be in lakes, rivers, streams uh, along the, the coast. Uh, but uh, but it's all designed for islands that are in within the uh, within the United States territory. And this year happens to be their 25th year of being around, and they have a special 
USI 25th anniversary award going on this year. So for people who collect islands, if you confirm a QSO with 25 different islands during 2019, you qualify for an award. And if you like operating portable, if you activate 25 different islands during um, 2019, you qualify for a special award for that as well. And they have uh, uh, all the rules and all the information and the list of eligible islands uh, for the U.S. Islands program is on their website, and that is usislands.org. And uh, it's getting on the air from an island is a tremendous amount of fun. And there are a lot of islands uh, that qualify for U.S. Islands that you can drive to. You don't need a boat to take part in this program in, in many instances. And uh, another part of U.S. Islands that's a tremendous amount of fun is uh, there are about 17,000 islands in the United States, and not all of them have been qualified uh, or, or identified for the U.S. Islands Awards Program. So if you enjoy geography and enjoy poking around with a map, uh, you can uh, pretty easily find islands that would qualify for the U.S. Islands program but simply haven't been added to the list yet. So there's a, a heavy incentive of being able to be the very first person to ever transmit from an island uh, for ham radio. And I, for me, I find that incredibly compelling. So I spend a lot of time looking at maps. And again, all of that information is on the U.S. Islands website at usislands.org. Check it out. The 25th anniversary award. It's a lot of fun. All right. And then you had this idea. You, you ended up on the injured reserve list here for, for a bit, <laughs> but, but tell us a little bit about this, this CT 90 idea. Well, it's, you know, for me, uh, I, I just enjoy going out and being portable, operating portable. And, uh, I was looking at, uh, the world, the worldwide flora and fauna foundation, uh, which, uh, is all about, uh, transmitting from, uh, parks and, uh, nature reserves and things like that all around the world. And then in addition to that, there's a spinoff organization here in the States called, uh, parks on the air and, uh, state parks qualify for both of those awards. And I got to poking around and I saw that there were 90 parks, uh, 90, 90 eligible units in the state of Connecticut. So I thought, why don't I try and see if I can transmit from all 90 state parks in, in Connecticut? And uh, I got started on that about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And I got, I got about 12 of them under my belt and I was out doing an activation in February of last year, and I, I sprained my ankle really, really badly. And to be truth be told, I still haven't fully recovered from that. So, uh, it kind of slowed me down last year and, uh, I had some, uh, uh, had some other things going on with work and whatnot. And I didn't get on the air nearly as much as I would have liked to last year. But, uh, that's just a, that's just an example of finding a personal goal to motivate you to go out and, and get on the air, whether it's transmitting from uh, all of the islands in your county or all of the, the summits on the air summits in your state or, or state parks in your, in your area, whatever the case may be, it's always uh, nice to be able to have, uh, you know, like something to motivate you, you know, like a carrot at the end of the stick to keep you moving forward and, and see how many uh, different things you can activate. So for me, that personal goal was, is, is trying to see how many state parks in Connecticut I can transmit from. Um, 
And, you know, everybody's going to have something different. I'm not going to get a prize for doing it. It's just something that I thought would be fun and unique and, and keep me motivated. So that's why I chose to do it. And I'll bet that there is something similar for everybody who's listening to this show out there that they could do uh, uh, in their area with uh, not too much effort. All right. And we, we got to go. But uh, I, I do want to get this in because this just was announced here in the last week. That the second annual Walmart parking lots on the air weekend, which is actually Wimplota three, I think, because we did mm-hmm. like a special one, but that's just been announced. It's July sixth and seventh. So mm-hmm. get those shopping carts ready to roll. It, Walmart parking lots on the air for satellite operators is like it, it's 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 a remarkably uh, cool idea, and it makes total sense because at Walmart's are everywhere. Uh, it's easy to set up a portable satellite station in, in a Walmart parking lot fairly fairly simply, and each store has a unique store identifier. So uh, you can uh, you can hand out a different uh, Walmart store uh, each time you 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 mosey down the road a few miles. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, and it's a very unique event. And I have to tip my cap to the to the satellite guys who came up with it. It's not something I would have thought up, but uh, it's it's brilliant. And, and you fit right in. You don't. You don't look unusual at all. Nope, not at all. Even when you're wearing <laughs> black and green pajamas in the middle exactly. of the morning opening, you know. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, we got to take a break. <laughs> we're going to come back, and uh, we've got a lot of questions coming in already. So we're going to get to those and uh, talk about some more portable operations right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Is this getting serious? I think so. Well, how do you feel about it? Just imagine if you hadn't run out of PL259s. Just imagine if your connectors weren't from Tower Electronics. Consider the sophisticated quality of connectors from Tower Electronics. Their silver-plated end connectors are so good... They've even been used on the International Space Station. I'm not so sure why I ever used any other PL259s. Mine are better. Besides, you deserve the best. You know I love you. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They also have ham sticks, mobile antennas, and meters, too see the whole catalog go to pl-259.com tower electronics the ham's dime store since 1978 join the conversation give us a call at 812 net ham one that's 812-638-4261 now here's more ham talk live If a man says something in the woods and there are no women there, is he still wrong? You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Thanks again to Tower Electronics for bringing you Ham Talk Live. Coming up this weekend, they're in Cave City, Kentucky on March 2nd. Then they'll be in Toledo, Ohio, March 16th. And March 30th, Sevierville, Tennessee 
or you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com. And Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we're going to take some questions here, but the phone number again tonight is the temporary number. It's 812-650-9556. If you have a question, give us a call at 812-650-9556. Or you can tweet us at HamTalkLive. If you're listening to us on WTWW or the podcast edition, uh, you're not going to reach anybody because it's Thursday night right now when we're doing this show, so so you won't be able to uh, get through. Uh, wow, we've got a lot of uh, questions typed tonight. So uh, let me get to Twitter first. Uh, Nathan, K-A-3-M-T-T, uh, has a question here. Let me make sure your audio is back up here. Okay, um, he says, uh, my son, K-A-3-M-T-U, and I are looking to do an IOTA activation in April. Any suggestions for traveling with gear using commercial flights and TSA issues. Okay. Uh, so I just, it, I just flew to London last June and I took, uh, an HT, uh, and, uh, a, a portable, uh, satellite antenna with me. Um, depending on, uh, where you're going, uh, I would certainly recommend that you check the TSA website to make sure that uh, you are meeting all of the regulations that they have in play. The big one that uh, they are going to be concerned about is if you're bringing a a lithium uh, battery with you, uh, you can't put that in your checked baggage, I believe is the case. So uh, you're going to need to make sure that... um, uh, that your your lithium batteries, if you're using lithium batteries, you got to make sure that those are in your carry-on. Um, I have heard a lot of stories of people who uh, have had absolutely no trouble uh, with uh, bringing small amounts of radio gear on board uh, uh, in their carry-on luggage. Checking it, uh, I would not recommend checking it if, uh, if you can get away with it. I took uh, a complete HF station with me. Uh, down to uh, Antigua uh, many years ago. Admit, I admit this was uh, uh, several years ago, but uh, despite my best efforts in packing it well, it just got banged around too much in the in the check baggage, and uh, I actually ended up with a cracked display on my ICOM rig uh, from that experience. So that turned me off to uh, uh, packing radios in, in checked baggage unless there is simply no other way to do it. If you have to check uh, if you have to put all of your uh, uh, radio gear in in your checked baggage, it is absolutely worth the money to get a hard shell case with foam on the inside, such as a Pelican case or something similar to that, because you don't want to end up on your IOTA expedition uh, without a, a functioning radio. That will ruin your entire experience. So uh, uh, check the TSA website about uh, what you can and cannot uh, bring on board the plane. Um and make sure that uh, if you have to put it in your checked baggage that you use a hard shell case such as a Pelican case with uh, with foam on the inside to properly protect your radio. Uh, but anecdotally, I can tell you that when I flew over to London last year, um, all, you know, I was bringing an HT and uh, a portable dual, uh, dual band Yagi for satellite work, and nobody cared. Uh, I didn't have any questions during check-in or uh, going through customs or anything like that. 
nobody cared. However, that is my anecdotal story, and that is not a guarantee that that will happen to you. All right. Good disclaimer. <laughs> and uh, we've got some um, some advertising to do here because it just so happens that in two weeks on this program, Dan Henderson's going to be on, and we're going to talk about traveling with your gear and more specifically licensing issues. So if you're crossing borders, going into other countries, um, and, and dealing with some of those licensing issues, um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, you know, traveling with your gear and, and this kind of thing. But, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the main focus is going to be on the, the licensing bit. So tune in in two weeks and we'll, uh, we'll get you caught up on, on all that. I would strongly recommend to anybody who is considering operating in a in a different country to uh, to tune in and listen to Dan's uh, take on this. He's the regulatory affairs manager at the league, and he's been dealing with uh, operating and licensing issues uh, in different countries for U.S. hams and AWRL members for a very very long time. He knows what he's talking about. All right. Well, there you have it. So uh, tune in in uh, two weeks. That's March fourteenth. Uh, we'll have that program on uh chris aa4cb says hello and uh nathan k9cpo which i I haven't heard from nathan in a while he wants to know what you would suggest as a good cw paddle key for portable ops oh boy uh gosh that's you know uh, there's no one answer to that uh it depends on again it depends on what your what your operating style is you know for somebody like myself who enjoys the the super lightweight station i want a paddle that is going to be as lightweight as possible and for me and if I'm operating under those conditions, um, I really like the palm paddle, uh, that was manufactured, I believe in Germany, uh, which was a, a teeny tiny paddle it was about three and a half inches long, uh, completely encased in aluminum. You could re- you could pull the, uh, the paddle elements out of this aluminum protective case, uh, and operate. And then when you were done operating, you could slide the paddle portions back into this aluminum case. Uh, but unfortunately they they went out of business and they're not being made anymore. And so I, I really hope that uh, one of the manufacturers steps up to the plate and comes up with something like that for for uh, for the portable lightweight QRP operations uh, because it, it was a fantastic paddle. Um, but there are plenty of times, especially if I'm doing uh, operating in my car, uh, I'll just you know I've got I've got uh, an old uh, an old Bencher uh, uh, Chrome paddle that you know is in almost every ham shack in the United States. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I just, I lug that thing out and I set it up on a clipboard and put it in my lap and operate with that. Um, it's not the lightest weight, uh, solution, but one thing that is nice is because it's not lightweight, it doesn't slide around all over the place. Yeah, so I don't have to true. use my second hand to hold the, the thing in place while I'm sending, which you have to do if, uh, in, in a lot of cases, uh, if you're operating portable with uh, super lightweight uh, uh, gear, so you know uh, if you've got an extra if you've got an extra paddle uh, lying around, I mean you know the Benchers or the Vibroplex or the Begali, if you want to take your Begali paddle out with you portable, uh, you know all of those will work just fine. Um, you know there there are certainly uh, other options as well. Um, I encourage you to experiment and find the proper fit for the kind of operating that you're doing, how much weight you want to bring and whether or not you're comfortable having the thing slide around or, or not. 
Okay, very good. Uh, next one, Robert, KE4AL, says, enough about Sean. It's Jarvis in the studio. <laughs> What's his take on portable operations? How long has he been activating parks with Sean? And what is his most memorable portable op that Sean would be too embarrassed to mention? Well, let's see. Okay, so for those who don't know, uh, Jarvis is um, a tiny stuffed alligator that uh, I have had with me for probably 30 years now. I've had him. He's kind of like my portable operating mascot. He's been uh, on every major portable operation that I've done since the early 1990s. I don't even remember where I got him anymore. Uh, but, uh, he's, he's kind of like, uh, the mascot for all the, the stuff that I do. We gotta, we gotta keep this light and fun. So he, he comes with me on, uh, on, on all of my trips. Uh, what, what does he think about it? I think as long as he gets fed, he's probably okay with, uh, with anything. Um, he, uh, there's a, there's a great photo I took a couple years ago in, uh, August of 2017. I went, uh, roving through 10 or 12 grids around some great lakes in, uh, Ontario and Michigan and Ohio. And, uh, uh, he certainly enjoyed Tim Horton's coffee. I'll say that. Oh yes. The Tim Horton's. You gotta, yep. you gotta do that, but you can get that yep. at Dayton though, too. You can. Yep. Yep. Dayton has, but, Tim uh, Horton, so. but there is something very special about having Tim Horton's coffee in Ontario. I will say, well, that. yeah, yeah, that would so, be fitting. Uh, so as far as what, uh, what, what's the most memorable portable op that I would be too embarrassed to mention? Well, let's see from his, from Jarvis's standpoint, I think, uh, I was doing, um, uh, I was doing a park for um, for my CT90 project uh, last fall. So this would have been the fall of 2017. And I was set up next to uh, uh, the Farmington River here in Connecticut while I was operating a, a, a little dinky state park with a trail system in it. And I thought it would be nice to get a photo of Jarvis next to the water and poor guy fell in. I don't know how that happened, but uh, I don't think he was very happy with me that day. Well, I guess the closest I had was, was, uh, was it a year or two years ago? I guess it was two years ago. We had flat hammy. We had yeah. the ham talk live mascot, you know, and you could take pictures with, with flat hammy. So it was kind of the, kind of the same idea. I kind guess. of the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We got another one. Uh, and I don't see a call sign here, so I'm not sure who this is, but, uh, the classic satellite question and he says for soda too, arrow two or elk. Well, you know, um, they both work very well. Uh, the, the arrow, uh, the, the arrow two is, is my personal choice just because, uh, I enjoy having the ability to, um, to rotate, uh, each, each band separately because on an arrow, the two meter antenna and the 70 centimeter antennas are, uh, 90 degrees, uh, out of phase, you know? So if, if one is horizontally polarized, the other one is automatically vertically polarized because they're on a square mast. Um, but you know, uh, I know, uh, Fernando, uh, NP4 JV, uh, down in Arizona is a huge, uh, elk user and he has great success with them. I know Clayton W5 PFG has used elks uh, with great success. He's one of the best satellite operators out there. I don't think there's any one answer to that question. They both work exceptionally well. 
Okay, there we go. Troy W9KVR says uh, we used a Tar Heel screwdriver uh, from the back of the school bus uh, with a TS480 and a 12 volt battery to operate from Turkey Run State Park during school club roundup in October 2016. I remember that because we we worked them. That's just down the road here. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that worked out well on the school bus. Well, that's uh if you're operating from a school bus, that's a heck of a ground plane for your tar heel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, uh, uh, see that's to me, that's, that's just one of the beauties of operating portable is, you know, you can, you can, you can rig up almost anything and, uh, and get us and, you know, the RF is going to go somewhere and you're going to work some folks. Um, and you know, uh, uh, Troy mentioned that he was doing this during the school club roundup. That's fantastic. Um, you know, I, we've talked a little bit about some of these, uh, awards programs that are geared toward portable operating, but you know, you, you really don't even need to have a reason to do portable operating. You can just go do it for the sake of doing it. Um, go set up in a park somewhere, uh, on a, enjoy a nice sunny afternoon, uh, maybe run a special event station, uh, you know, and you can create a special event station for any event, whether there's something going on, uh, within your town, maybe your town celebrating an anniversary or, uh, it's the 4th of July or Labor Day parade or something along those lines. Uh, I know that there were special, uh, one of the slides that I used to use in my presentation for, uh, portable operating was, uh, for special events was, uh, the Texas, uh, armadillo barbecue, you know, so you, you, you don't, you don't need a reason for a special event and it gives you, uh, it gives you a wonderful excuse to get out, uh, and enjoy ham radio and interact with the public and show what folks what ham radio is about and, uh, and have fun in a low key, uh, uh, low stress endeavor. And, and maybe, maybe even a, a special event station for a wedding. You could do that if you want. I would uh, recommend that the groom steer clear of that. Yeah, I guess I better. <laughs> also, better make sure that it doesn't get into the sound system. That too, that could be that, problematic. That might be that might be a, a, a yeah, you know, that might be a deal breaker. Uh, Troy says, uh, "Yeah, it was good timing. He had a geology field trip, and so they were on this geology field trip, which happened to fall right in the middle of school club roundup. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, we're not going to be able to operate school club roundup unless." We just take it with us. So that's mm-hmm. what he did. Many, many well. years ago, many years ago, I was uh, finishing up college and I was taking a field botany class and we went on an overnight trip to some park in central Illinois and uh, identified various plant species while we were out. And I took, uh, I took, my, uh, I took my ICOM 745 uh, out into the field and threw a wire in a tree and everybody was absolutely fascinated with it. So, you know, I had fun. The folks in my class got to see ham radio up close. They, you know, most of them had never even heard of it at, at that point in time. Uh, so, you know, it, uh, all sorts of little opportunities like that exist to get the word out about amateur radio and uh, do a little one-on-one, uh, if not outright recruitment, maybe just some consciousness raising and public relations. There you go. Well, uh, we, we've got through all the questions that have come in, and we're already five minutes over and i don't want to wow i don't want to keep you too long here but you did mention that you know you were going to mention some ways to make portable operating even more fun and besides jarvis 
Uh, you have anything, uh, anything to add here before we uh, hang it up for the night? Uh, I would say the biggest thing that you can do is uh, get one of your friends involved and make it a team effort. Uh, you know, spend, uh, spend, uh, uh, do a contest from a rental cabin, uh, do a state QSO party as a mobile uh, from uh, from your car and activate a couple of different counties. Uh, do something like I was talking about earlier with my Project CT90 where uh, you try to activate a certain number of units uh, 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 that are in your area. Uh, the U.S. Islands program is going on this year. You get points uh, if you can, you get a special award if you can uh, transmit from 25 different islands uh, in 2019. That's a very reasonable goal. Uh, so uh, check out their website and uh, check out the websites of all of the other uh, programs that we talked about here and uh, uh, give yourself uh, give yourself an incentive to go out and 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 operate uh, make an attainable goal bring a friend with you and uh, and and keep it fun because that's really uh, that's really what all of this portable operating stuff is about it's about having fun all right well sounds great Thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and I'm sure it won't be long until I'll be on your email account again saying, hey, Sean, <laughs> can you come back on the show? I'd be happy to do it. Uh, any uh, Quick note, if, there's, uh, if uh, you heard something in here that you wanted more information about or if you want to uh, uh, ask me a question about portable operating uh, uh, outside of the show, I'm happy to answer any questions. You can reach me at kx9x at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Kutzko. That's S-E-A-N-K-U-T-Z-K-O. Okay, very good. Oh, and uh, Chris mentions uh, Florida State Parks on the air is also yes, it is. Soon. Uh, so check out, uh, check out. Yep, check out all of the events uh, in your state. Get online, uh, do a web search for uh, your state, and then uh, the phrase "ham radio," and you'll find a lot of uh, different uh, on the air events that are going to be taking place in your area. All right, very good. Well, we're going to end it there, but thanks again for coming on and, and good luck with the, uh, with the baking and, and the, um, CT 90, if you get back into that again and all the, all that you're doing, uh, we appreciate you being here and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking QRP bakery items for Womploda. Uh, it, it could very easily happen. I'll have to reach out to the, uh, organizers and see if, uh, we can, uh, muscle in on that little Debbie contract. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of ham talk live. Thanks to Sean Cutsco KX nine X and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and writing in tonight. And I invite you all back next Thursday night at 9 PM Eastern time. When Sterling Man N0SSC will be here to talk about the YARC Youth Contesting Program for a list of all of our upcoming guests. Just go over to hamtalklive.com, and if you like the show, please consider leave us, leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. That helps others find us faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.